Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Monday, March the 26th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And it's a very comfortable day here in the spring of uh, Connecticut. We don't have the temperatures that they have in Dallas, but we do have some nice spring temperatures that are on the cool side here in Connecticut, but it's beautiful. It's like gorgeous outside, blue sky, a little puffy clouds. You know, my favorite kind of weather. It just needs to be a, a tad warmer, but other than that, it's great. So how are for things? For me, in- I've got the 80, 80 degrees, and that's just a tad too warm for me. <laughs> I mean, 80 degrees, March 26th. I mean, that, that's almost laughable. It's so silly. 80 degrees? I mean, I haven't seen 80 degrees no. since last summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was like in the uh, mid-80s over the weekend. Wow. Just amazing. How, now, how warm does it get during the summer there? How how warm? Yeah. Um, I would say in August, it would be easy for us to get into the low 100s. Okay. So it doesn't get up like in yeah. 110 range or something like that, but the 100s is pretty warm. I mean, it warm. has, but that's not normal. I oh, mean, okay. if we have like an extremely hot streak, it might do that. But I'd say our normal hot days are probably you know, in the low 100s, like 102, 105, 106. And plus, your heat is actually dry heat. It's not humid heat, right? No, it's humid heat. Oh, it is but humid heat. Houston is horribly humid heat because they're closer to the Gulf oh, of Mexico. But when I first moved to Texas, you know, they said, oh, but it's dry heat. Well, I think it's gotten warmer hmm. because it's, it's hotter. I mean, and it's more humid and it's sticky and it's uncomfortable for me. Oh. So it's not dry heat like um, Arizona. Right. Okay. That's dry heat but no texas definitely has humidity yeah arizona is tough but it'd be unbearable if that heat was also humid fortunately it's not yeah and depending on what part of texas determines like how much humidity you get but i'm in the dallas area and i and even though i'm well aware it's not nearly as horrible as the houston area it's still pretty uncomfortable Mm -hmm. okay summertime Yeah. yeah okay well, then, the good news is that it's only 80 degrees. <laughs> it seems funny to say that. <laughs> you know what? I would love for one of our callers that's in different parts of the country to tell me where I might want to move. Oh. Because the criteria I'm looking for is where it never gets horribly hot and where it doesn't go down into, like, um, snow, horrible, you know, bad weather. I don't mind rain. I just like cool, and cool for me is anywhere from the 40s to the mid 70s. And I would love to be in a, in a area that had that kind of temperature zone. You know, I heard somebody talking about Seattle the other day, and they said in the summer they don't even have bugs. I'm like, is that true? Is someone telling the <laughs> truth about that? You know, that you could actually spend time outside because there's no bugs and the temperatures are so pleasant so if somebody knows of something that fits my criteria put it in the comment box and walt will share it with me okay yeah sure i'll keep an eye open Uh, no i i have to honestly say i don't know of any place like that but i can think of a solution that a lot of people use and that's to be a snowbird in other words you live in the north in the summer and the south in the winter okay that was not my first preference and i and i i'm much more prone to trees and woods and lakes than i am to beaches where there's like coastal kind of stand mm-hmm. believe it or not this might sound really strange but you know people who talk about the beach oh it's so wonderful because it lulls you to sleep that is actually an annoying sound to me that i want that to turn really? off because i i've stayed on um i stayed at a hotel in malibu for my 21st birthday mm-hmm. and all night long, the beach surf was going on, and I kept thinking, can someone turn that off? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now, granted, I enjoy it when I'm walking along the beach and when I'm wanting to have the beach experience. It's absolutely fabulous. I love to sit in the sand and read a book. Love all that. But at night, I don't want that sound going on and on. That drives me crazy. <laughs> Isn't it something, though, how, how different things affect different people differently? I mean, for me, that sound lulls me to sleep. It's just so gentle. It's like a you know a cradle being rocked kind of feeling. And for you, it's eyes wide open. The same experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, now give me, um, you know, like a, a woodsy area, and I can handle all the sounds of the forest. I can handle the bugs and the locust and the like in the morning, I love it when I have my windows open and I wake up to birds chirping. I can listen to that for hours in the morning. 
even though I'm still asleep. I love that sound. Birds chirping, I, I like that. Locusts, they drive me nuts. They have the same effect on me <laughs> that uh, the shoreline has on you for going to sleep. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely more of a woodsy person. <laughs> yeah, in fact, that, that locust sound, when, when, when all of them kind of wake up at the same time in the summer, you know, with that same period of time that they all wake up, mm-hmm. and, and you're outside, and they're just going on and on and on, and I say to myself, shut up, just, just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I like to think that there are so many different geographical locations on the planet so we can all find a place that makes us happy absolutely i found that uh, that, was, that louise was right moving back to connecticut was right for us because no more locusts i don't have to deal with that anymore yay <laughs> yay, yay. Well, actually it's not even so much the locusts it's the cicadas the cicadas are the ones that drive me nuts Ugh, mm-hmm. that sound i can just definitely do without anyway that's a, not a cheery thought for me so i'm going to move on quickly to what's going on anything exciting happening anything going on with yeah. the projects I had a couple of awarenesses. Um, Saturday, I was um, feeling into, you know, my Project X, and I'm always wanting to know where are we at with that and how's it coming along, and I was getting, you know, all systems go. But I noticed that all day I kept checking in like I was being a little anxious again, Mm. a little different than the anxiety I had a few weeks ago where I felt like something was wrong. But because what I recognized at the end of Saturday I was, I know I was in a receiving mode all day. I was in a creative space. I kind of moved from one project to the next and it all felt really good for me. Everything came with ease. Um, I actually had this incredible feeling of well-being, just kind of abounding through me where it's like I felt light and buoyant and really good and happy. Mm. And simultaneously, I had this weird little uh, 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 feeling going on all day. And so I stopped and I went, Hey, Keisha, can we like chat about something? I want to bounce something off you. And she said, sure. So we sat down at the kitchen table. And so I was explaining to her how my day had been so awesome. And yet there was this thing in the background. And so she was like, just giving me her insights. And because she's a psychic medium, she was kind of tapping into the energy of, you know, what I was sharing. And she started talking about, you know, when something's new and see her life and my life energetically match each other all the time. So like she was talking about what was going on in her life and it was relating to what was going on in my life, even though, even though they're different subject areas, mm-hmm. but the energies are very similar. Um, and she was talking about how she'd been feeling, you know, some stuff and she used the word awkward. And when she said awkward, I went, Ooh, wait, that's for me. And I said, yes things have been feeling awkward, but I don't know what that's connected to. I just know there's been this awkwardness in the background. And she said, well, you know, when you do new things, you know, it's unfamiliar and that would be a natural, you know, feeling because something's awkward when it's, when it's new and you don't know, because it hasn't hit that place of normalcy yet. Mm -hmm, And I went, yes, that's what I'm experiencing. And I went, well, that makes a lot of sense. And then Sunday morning, I woke up and I was reading an email from um, an artist that I follow her list. And she was talking about creative expression and creativity. And she's talking about the next project she's working on. And she said something like, whenever you're in a creative space, you're in the unknown, you're in the unfamiliar. And that, again, validated what Keisha and I were talking about the day before. And I went, that's exactly what I'm going through. I'm going through a creative space called, hello, I'm creating Project X. That You don't get more creative than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm in a creative space where there's unknown. And so it feels weird. It feels awkward because it has not reached normalcy. And so with that second, like when Keisha and I talked, I was feeling better. And then when I saw that um, sentence the next morning, that was kind of like my inner being locked it in, like, got it now? And I went, yeah, got it. It's natural to have things feel awkward or out of sorts when you haven't yet re- reached a place of normalcy. So anyway, I, I know that all is well. Um, and I knew all was well because I had such a great feeling and sense of well-being all day, all weekend. It was like an awesome weekend. Ooh, so nice. I wasn't throwing any resistance out there on anything because yeah. I know what resistance feels like and this was not resistance so that was kind of an interesting um, awareness mm-hmm. 
And then on the other one, you know, I started working on Project B for body. And my new affirmation that came from my inner being is happy body, happy life. Right. And I have to say, I every time I see my little sticky, I kind of like smile. And sometimes I say it in my head. Sometimes I say it out loud. Uh, sometimes I'm nowhere near my sticky and it just comes to mind and I say it and repeat it a couple times. And that's that. I think that affirmation came to me last Wednesday. So it's only been five days. And I have to tell you that when it comes to body issues and weight issues, I have decades, a minimum of four, if not more decades of resistance in this one. And I'm not trying to point out like, oh my God, look at all the resistance. Because I'm not trying to highlight that point, but I want to make a note that there is a lot of resistance that I'm aware of. And even though I'm not specifically focusing on resistant pockets of energy, I know that that's why this has been an uncomfortable thing for me to focus on in the past, because I've had years of disappointment of it not being created. Of course, yeah. And so that that's why Happy Body, Happy Life feels so good to me and it's exciting because I have to say, in 40 plus years, that's the most refreshing concept or idea that I've had toward the manifestation of the body that makes me feel comfortable in its skin. Mm -hmm. And what I think has been kind of cool is I went out with some friends. I told you my Fab Four uh, lunch or brunch was on Sunday. And um, we, you know, we had our, our breakfast. And this is so funny because we're having breakfast. And one gal couldn't come, and another one was going to be really late. So it was just me and Clarissa for quite some time. And we're talking and talking, and we order food because the other, you know, the other gal, which was Keisha, said, don't wait for me, you know, order. So we order, and we weren't quite sure what we wanted. And so we got our, our what we ordered, and we start eating it, and we weren't 100% satisfied. And I said, well, here's the cool thing. We have choice. And I said, we can finish this and order again if we want. And who said you can't, right? She went, good point. <laughs> so Keisha comes and um, she orders. And, you know, we're talking about, you know, we just weren't satisfied with the flavors. And I said, you know, I just feel like I want something to top it off. And I'm usually not a dessert person, but I said, I want something sweet, but I don't want dessert. Because Keisha's like, they have good desserts. I'm like, I don't want dessert. And I looked across to see somebody else's plate that they had abandoned, you know? And I went, I think I want that. I can't tell if it's French toast or if it's a waffle. So I'm chatting with the waiter and I decided I wanted this French toast dish, which, you know, had some really good maple syrup. And then Clarissa orders another something. Sorry, Clarissa, if you don't want the whole world to know that you ordered two, two things on the menu. But... Um, <laughs> Well, we won't tell. Now, everybody listening, please promise you won't say anything about what Clarissa ordered. Okay, cool. And then, so Keisha finishes her her thing, and then while our second entree slash desserty things were coming out, she goes, "I think I want to do that too." So it was hysterical. We kept this waiter hopping and bopping, and I laughed and I said, "You know, I really have come to learn that it's not about the food we eat; it's about how we feel." about the food we eat. And when I'm in such excellent company as these two ladies who make me feel really good, and I was really kind of, I really was following my body's cues. I really wanted something more. And I checked in with my inner being and I kind of got a, yeah, go for it. And I joked with them. I said, I'll bet you I lose weight by eating this. And you know, <laughs> that was just a, that was a ha ha funny, funny joke. Mm -hmm. So I come. I, I weigh. I weigh in this morning on the scale. Guess who lost a pound? Uh huh. You know, and it's just it's so funny because it's not the way it used to work before. Mm -hmm. But I'm so connecting. You know, I got to tell you, happy body, happy life has had such incredible meaning for me, and I'm I'm allowing myself, you know, to follow my body instincts. And I have felt in the last five days. Well, the first couple of days I didn't feel too much, but the last three. I have felt more connection to my body, like I'm more aware of the sensations within my body that I hadn't really been that aware of before. And I've noticed um, certain kind of movements I do, like I'm doing a lot more shoulder rolls, you know, or if I kind of feel a, 
you know, on the, the mouse hand where I'm like, oh, I've been stiff here. I just noticed my body just wanting to do shoulder rolls and move around and, you know, stretch and things that I'm not saying, hey, body, you should stretch or gosh, I should go work out today. It's like my body's just kind of doing it involuntarily. And I'm noticing it. And I'm like, this is really cool. And I totally give it permission to do whatever it wants to feel good, to feel better. So I guess in a way, that's my first awareness that Project Body is working and, and doing its thing. This is going to be I'm, fun to watch and to listen to as you as you relay that over time, what's going on with this project. Because, I mean, we, you and I talked quite a bit offline the last few days about this stuff, and we both came to agreement that this is all what we think about. It's all what we feel about. And you, you found mm-hmm. a great way to implement it. And, and I'm excited to see how it's going to play out because I think it's going to be a great story. Well, and you know what? You said something to me offline the other day, and I always love when you challenge me because <laughs> it really kind of makes me go, huh? Wow. Have, am I really that fixated? on this thing and I'm holding to my position and I'm not willing to be flexible because I was talking to you about some time period where my body had dropped four pounds like a number of months ago and those four pounds just haven't come back. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, how the heck did that happen? And then you go, uh, like your thoughts. (laughs) And I was thinking that was way too simple of an answer. And I almost (laughs) wanted to defend myself like, no, that can't be it. (laughs) It can't be that. No. that what we talk about all the time is our thoughts and i'm like well you know i can't say no to that because it's that's hard my to now <laughs> yeah it's like everything in my life is about the quality of your thoughts determine the quality of your life so i'm like must have something to do with my thoughts damn it you know <laughs> it's like what louise says to, to me you. it's like what louise says to me uh because uh louise is a former psychotherapist and of course being married to her all these years, I've picked stuff up over time, and I actually sometimes toss it back to her if you know she's you know needing some help or you know dealing with stuff or whatever. And her favorite way of responding to that is, "I can't get away with anything anymore." <laughs> <laughs> I totally get, and I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit like that. Like, oh shoot, because <sighs> you're trying to play the law of attraction card, the thought card. Oh no! But I have to tell you, I think that conversation was Thursday or Friday. And I have to say, over the weekend, there would be times I'd be thinking about things, and that phrase that you said in your voice popped back in my head, mm. you know, which is, well, it's about your thoughts, right? Like, what else could it be? And I went, hmm, yeah, okay, everything's about my thoughts. And even though, of course, I know that, because my body is an area that I've been working on for so many years. I have a lot of chronic thoughts, meaning I've thought many thoughts so many times, they've become really big and kind of fixed in my point of view. Um, And I wanted to shake up my point of view because obviously those thoughts have not been working for me. They've not served me well at all. So challenge away, Mr. Walt. Oh, okay. Working for me, I like it. <laughs> well, I have <laughs> to tell mean you, I won't fight back. Uh, I, but, oh you no, know. you're entitled to. That's all right. I, I, but I have to tell you this because you know I, I do tend to do this both with you and with Louise and others, and I do it with myself too. And that's actually the worst one because I catch myself, and now I can't even get away with it with myself. <laughs> <laughs> You have any idea how annoying that is? <laughs> yeah. Because I want to go have an argument yeah, with myself, I, I, you know? <laughs> I remember years ago teaching my little sister, you know, some ideas about law of attraction and the power of thought and this kind of thing. And, you know, once upon a time, she would be like, yeah, 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 whatever. And then there was a point she was really listening. And then there was a point she was calling me saying, can you help me with this stuff? Mm. And so she was really taking to heart what I was saying and doing Mm. her best to implement it. Mm -hmm. And her life was shifting in beautiful ways. Oh, good. And then I I might, you know, be going through my own quandary and I'm just, you know, ranting and sharing it with her. And she'd go, well, isn't it? And then she literally would quote me. Yeah. Isn't this what you say? And I'm like, oh, man. Uh, you know, it's like, of course I love it that my little sister is, 
is, you know, having a wonderful success with the things that I share. But it's just a real pain in the butt when it comes back at you <laughs> yeah, like from the mouth of babe, literally. <laughs> oh, geez. Now I have to be it. consistent about what I do. Oh, God. <laughs> But, you know, there's nothing better. I mean, the (laughs) truth is there's nothing better than the stuff you believe in being mirrored back to you because, you 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 know, for me, I do stop dead in my tracks and go, well, I have no more excuses, none whatsoever. And, you know, that just kind of reminds me, I, I we started talking about this a little bit last week, but the power of your environment, the power of who you choose to spend time with. And what you allow into your ears is so important in our experience. Yeah, it is. So very important. Um, like, I would say one of the things that probably has made me feel the best in my whole life is because I have been an avid learner. I never stop learning. I'm always listening to something that causes me to learn. And... You know, not that, you know, I'm going to listen to Abraham Hicks probably till the day I die. But, (laughs) you know, I don't listen to as much as I used to because that information is really well integrated into my my life process. And so I started listening to another somebody that I used to listen to a lot. And I was listening to his stuff this weekend. And it's really cool because even though I listen to him until I'm like, got it. And then I stop listening. I'm a new person. I've changed since the last time I listened to him. Mm, so now that I'm nice. listening to him again, I'm like, ooh, I'm picking up some new ideas. Having, yeah. you know, I know new ways that I can implement this. That's but good. I highly recommend anybody who doesn't know, you know, how to improve the quality of their life, pay attention to the quality of what you're allowing to come into your ears, mm. whether that's for your friends, family, coworkers, news media, social media. Oh, you know, I agree. Do you listen to do you listen to audios? Do you you know are you connected with gurus that have good positive messages? Yeah. You know. Oh, I found that you have to really make it a you, you have to make a conscious choice to do it as regularly as you can throughout your day, throughout your weeks, throughout your months. You have to make it a priority to to listen to the right stuff, to to screen stuff out that doesn't serve you. I mean, I I shifted around certainly news and and that kind of thing. I shifted that around. I've gotten to the point now where there's some stuff that Louise and I used to watch that like movies or whatever. I won't even watch them anymore. I, I walk out of the room. And and mm-hmm. it, it, an interesting um, corollary to that is very often when I walk out of the room, it isn't because I'm deliberately trying to avoid it. It's because I can't stand it anymore, which mm-hmm. is an interesting reaction. It used to be, well, and I can know, stand that, you know, no big that's deal. A huge, that's a huge distinction. It is. From, oh, I don't want to listen to this versus, oh, I just can't even stand it. I don't like it anymore. It yeah. actually rubbed the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, it's really big. It's very, very big. Um, there was, a, um, I, I think, a binge-a-thon on, on one of the movie stations with a bunch of Joan Crawford movies. And I'd never really seen any of those. And I was just curious. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to you know record a bunch of them and just kind of see what her movie career was like. And so today in the background while I was working, I had them on. and I have to tell you, there, a lot of them have very negative t- plot twists, things that made me really uncomfortable. And back in the, the era of the 30s, 40s, 50s, they'd have music that would go, dun, dun, dun. You know? <laughs> yep. It's like they let you know when something bad was going to happen and they'd have like um, pipe pipe organ music, you know, to like indicate some really horrible things were taking place. And I went, that I'd only been maybe halfway through this one movie, and I went, I think I saw enough of it. Okay, I saw Joan Crawford. She has big eyebrows. Okay, next. And I hit, hit a race. <laughs> I went, because I don't want to see the rest. And it's for the very reason you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it just I, didn't feel good. It felt really prickly to me. Exactly. And I didn't want to hear, dun, 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 one more time. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. And, and Joan Crawford movies are like that. I mean, Mommy Dearest was written for a reason. It's because that's the kind of stuff she was drawn to. <laughs> and mean, I've never even ugh. seen that one. But there was a, a new series recently. I think it was called uh, Bet and Joan, The Feud. I mean, it was the feud, Bette and Joan, but it was the, the feud between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Mm-hmm. And it was just a six-episode series. And that was kind of what got my attention because I really hadn't watched 
any of their movies. So I got to see the behind the scenes, you know, make believe stuff that they did in the series. And then I went, then when I saw Joan Crawford, you know, movie binge on, I went, Oh, let's just go really see what her movies are. Cause I watched the series that's current from this year, but yet I'd never watched her movies. And um, I'm like, okay, they were pretty dark. <laughs> yes. A lot of things were based on socialites, you know, people who were affluent, who had lots of money and they oh, yeah. had done yachts. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm like, wow, I guess people were enamored with that kind of lifestyle because a lot of those movies were like that. Because I'm like, that is not the normal middle class. Well, yeah, like that's that's friend. that's where Hollywood got a lot of its glitz, uh, romantic yeah. era, or was was from movies that portrayed lifestyles that the average viewer never knew about. It was it was all brand new to them looking at all this stuff. So mm-hmm. of course they kept making movies like that because people would come to keep watching the movies over and over again to see oh wow look at the way they live and blah 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 blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, okay, that that wraps up my updates. <laughs> well, actually, I, one of the things that you mentioned I wanted to piggyback on, kind of, sort of, in a way, because you went out to dinner with your friends, and Louise and I went out to dinner over the weekend as well. We drove down to the shoreline in Rhode Island to a place called the Coast Guard House, which is actually a restaurant, which, as you might imagine, used to be a Coast Guard house. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a beautiful restaurant. It has panoramic views. You, you have all along the wall of the restaurant in every direction that you look you have views of long island sound and you're right there on the water so it's absolutely gorgeous and it's new england seafood and it's some of the best new england seafood so it was just a delightful meal and as we're first as we walked in and then later as we're sitting there we were waiting for her brother and sister-in-law to join us Uh, they live nearby and so they were just kind of tagging along after we got there but we're just sitting there and i'm looking around i'm saying our lives really are changing. Look what we're eating now. This is not a kind of place we would have eaten a couple of years ago. We just weren't in a place to do it. Now we're in a place to do it. Things are improving. Things are getting better. And this is what we have to look forward to. Like, ooh, nice. I like this. I, I can get used that to this is... quickly. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, so now I'm not done. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I've been I've been paying attention to the programming that I have been attracted to. And normally, I, I mean, I have, you know, cable TV like many people do. Well, actually, what I'm, I've come to know, many people just love their Netflix, but I still like my cable TV stuff because <laughs> I have certain stations I love to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was, normally, I only channel surf my favorites. Like there's something on my cable box where I can set up which channels I want to view. And so let's say there's like 20 of them in there. I just pretty much view what's on these 20 stations over mm-hmm. and over. All right. Well, Lately, I'm like, let's just broaden my horizons. You know, there's probably 300 stations that I pay for every month. What else <laughs> is out there beside those 20? And so I found a network called AWE. Oh, yeah. And it stands for A Wealth of Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And they have all these shows of wealthy people doing all sorts of wealthy things. Right. Yep. And so I decided to just kind of like set my DVR to record a couple series. I just wanted to test them out. And I was looking at, um, like, Selling Mansions, I think is the name of one of them, Selling Big Mansions. And another one is Behind the Gates, where you go behind the gates of these multi-million dollar homes that from the street you can't see what is that, what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. So here's what I found fascinating. I'm watching these shows. I think over the last week I've probably watched about 10 or 12 of them, because they're just like 30 minutes each. And... No, I don't just sit and watch in case someone's going, really, this is what you do with your time. No, I do multiple (laughs) things. This is where I multitask. But if something really catches my attention, I do stop and pay attention. But I was looking at all these homes, and I'll tell you, I used to have kind of like the glitz and glamour. We were talking about Hollywood just a few moments ago. Right. I used to have this ooh-ah over anything that was like, um, you know, multi-million dollars value. And instead, lately, I'm like, well, that's nice, but I wouldn't <laughs> want to live there. Yes. And get this. The the two episodes I watched yesterday were both in Dubai, which is like one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like they have mega million dollar mansions there. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and I went, those are really not my style. They're not my taste at all. 
And if somebody said, oh, yeah, here's this $26 million house. Would you like to stay there or live there or own it? I'd go, no, thank you. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I hear really? you. I'm saying no thing. And yeah. it's like, no. So, but the, several things came to mind as I've been watching this stuff. One, instead of my normal, I'm enamored by everything because it's so expensive and because I used to feel like I could never buy something like that or live in some place like that. That's only for the rich and famous, which, you know, I guess that makes me not part of that. I'm starting to feel like I'm part of that. Mm. And I also recognize I have choice. Yeah. It, just because something's expensive doesn't mean I automatically want it. I understand but completely. Part of this concept that I'm talking about, pay attention to the environment that's around you. Because I'm watching so many of these programs, I'm like, actually, my vibration is shifting. Like that now feels like more normal to me, normal living instead of some really high above me, only wealthy people kind of living. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I am a wealthy people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm not, and I, trust me, I'm not going, well, Wendy, your bank account is not equaling, you know, $26 million purchase. <laughs> I'm not going there. I'm just enjoying the feeling of watching the program, imagining myself living in these places, being there, and the funner, the even funner part. The funner oh, that's part? A good, really bad English. I like that. The funner part is knowing that I can choose. I'm like, no, not that one. But yes, <laughs> I like that one. Mm, you know, I'd like that one, except I'd like the balcony of that one. And I'm just mixing and matching different parts of different really exotic homes. And playing with it and just feeling what it would feel like to work with a realtor and me say, here are all the criteria that I'm looking for. So find me a house that does all of these things. And it feels not far out of my range. Mm. As a matter of fact, it's starting to feel very comfortable like that is within my range. Nice. And so there's another area that we can play with in terms of shifting our vibration and paying attention to what kind of environment we're putting ourselves in. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. In fact, Louise and I have been doing that, not million-dollar homes, but we, we've been doing it regularly since really last fall. We've been, we've been going to open houses in our area, and we've been focusing mainly on homes in the half-million to million-dollar range, which is way out of what we could theoretically afford in, in terms of that range, but we're, we're skipping that part, not worrying about, about that. It's an open house. Anybody can go. So we go. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And fascinating. Was there ever a time, like there was for me, where I would not even feel comfortable just touring a million-dollar home because I felt like I didn't belong there? Oh, yeah. Sure. I wouldn't even look at it at one point. It wasn't even under consideration. Yeah. But uh, we, we so. have been considering it. We've been looking and not mm -hmm. worrying about how it's going to work and just enjoying. Uh, one of the most interesting things that has kind of popped up in the in the course of doing all these and we've seen a lot of homes i'm going to guess probably on the order of a couple dozen homes we've seen so far mm. i'm amazed how many of them not only i would not want to live in but some of them i ask myself why on earth did they do that i'm not even enamored anymore by the price of the house i'm thinking like how could you do that to a house like this <laughs> <laughs> I, the, the whole thing is just kind of flipped on top of itself. It's, it's you know, head over heels in, in the in the sense that it's just all upside down compared to what I used to think about the whole thing with these higher priced houses. I, I become amazed too at the way that they're priced. We've seen some houses. I remember one house we saw. It was four bedrooms. It wasn't in pristine condition, but the layout was really good. The storage was really good. It was it was perfect for a family of like, you know, five or six, something like that. And it was only selling for a, a really low price compared to the rest of the market. And then we saw another house the same day that was priced $200,000 more, had about the same square footage, was not as nicely laid out. And we're thinking, who would pay for that when they could buy the other one? That makes no sense. I mean, we're doing this kind of comparison shopping and thinking, mm -hmm. you know, this is, this pricing doesn't make any sense. I mean, we found one house that Louise likes a lot, and I, I kind of like it too. And it's a house. It's one of these houses where they originally had a small colonial, 
and they kept adding wings to it. And then they add a three-car garage, and they add all this stuff. So you end up with this house that's about 5,600 square feet by the time you're done. But it's a strange layout because it's all add-ons. And as I look at it from the perspective of a family wanting to buy it, I realize it's not a good layout for most people. But it would be perfect for us. have far more space than we actually need. But um, we could actually have Louise's business in an in-law apartment that's attached to it uh, above the garage. It's this huge, huge space there. That space alone has to be, I'm guessing, 1,500 square feet. Um, the rest of the house, I mean, there's some rooms we wouldn't even use. But the rooms that we would use, we'd love. It has one of the things we really love, which is having uh, the master bedroom on the first floor. So we don't have to be climbing stairs all the time. Um, I mean, it, it's got a lot of things that we really like, and, and yet it's you can tell it's been kind of pieced together over the years. It was not a, it's not your typical home that's being built today. It doesn't have the usual layout, the usual you know, like the, um, the 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 open uh, concept uh, kitchen living room that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have any of that kind of stuff. It it has nice stuff, but it's eclectic. And it's priced very high compared to the market, and it hasn't had any offers in months. And I'm saying, well, this one's not going anywhere anytime soon. Well, that's one that you can kind of like probably put in an offer for significantly lower because if the house market is not moving on that house, then they should have either done a price reduction or you can offer a whole lot less and probably get it. Well, they've actually done a price reduction. It's still not enough of one. They knocked the 125000 off, and it's still too high. Um, and so I you think could you're probably right. Probably ask Louise because she and I both watch all the million dollar listing programs. So we know how, like, I watched a show that was a $50 million home that sold for $23 million. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yeah. Now that's a price reduction. <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's a great price reduction. Now, more than 50%? Yeah, I'll take that one any day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I can see something like that with I've this. Been one. We have one out here called Fixer Upper. Mm-hmm. It's actually in Waco, Texas, which is just an hour and a half south of me. Right. And it's this couple. She's a designer, and he can construct anything. And they find what they say is the biggest house for the lowest money in a nice area, and then they renovate it. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to look at homes in a whole new way, like, okay, I like this and this and this. But you know what? I want to completely renovate these things. And it's like, I now know you can do that. You don't even have to buy a house as is and live in it as is. You can buy it, have somebody renovate it, and then you move in. And I was like, honestly, I know people do that all the time, but it wasn't something that like I had really ever considered. But I really realized I can have what I choose. Mm -hmm. And that is a really nice feeling. I don't even have to settle for an existing floor plan. Oh, yeah. I want something different because they're like, oh, yeah, we'll knock out this wall. I'm like, oh, what a cool idea. <laughs> yeah. And you know the houses you were talking about, open concept, that is very common. Oh, yeah. People in the States love open concept. So in these gazillion-dollar million mansions in Dubai, apparently in in that part of the world, they prefer – enclosed rooms right they don't mm-hmm. like open concept mm-hmm. which to me is like wow that's so <laughs> weird <laughs> well that's actually what louise likes believe it or not for the most part she prefers that kind of thing she wants everything to have its mm-hmm. own in fact she wants french doors on all the places where there are usually large openings between the rooms mm. yeah so you're not you, they're, they're not know, the only ones <laughs> we are all different that's what makes this world such an incredible place uh, we can learn something from everybody. We can even learn from the people and the things that we don't like. That gives us our biggest learning opportunities. But there's something truly for everybody. It, I think that's quite exquisite. It is. I, I have to admit, too, and this is maybe admitting like the dark side of me a little bit, but I have also enjoyed dun, going... Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> There's also part of me that likes going to these houses. That I, there's one I can remember. It was a $900,000 house. And, I mean, you know, you, you can see why they're asking 900000 for it. But it's a case where the realtor was following us all over the place. And she was a little bit annoying, too, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and she follows us <laughs> up the stairs, and she's talking, chat, 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 talking about how wonderful this is, wonderful that is, blah, 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 blah. And I stop at the master bath, and they have one of these um, uh, freestanding uh, tubs, kind of like the old clawfoot, but it's a modern version of it. And 
it's uh, a jacuzzi style, so it's got the jacuzzi uh, hardware inside. And all of the faucets are on this side of the tub. And I look at that, and I fold my arms, and I'm just shaking my head. And she looks at me and says, what is it? And I said, here's just yet another builder who doesn't have a clue. You don't put the hardware on that side of the tub. You put it on the other side. Otherwise, how do you climb into the tub? You're having to climb over the hardware. That makes no sense. Well, she was determined to maintain control of the sale, right? She thought she had a, <laughs> a fish on the hook, right? So she says, well, you, you do know why there's an actual good reason for that. So I said, sure, I'll play along. What, what's the very good reason? And she says, well, because you want to have the plumbing inside. You don't want to have it on the walls because you have a risk of the plumbing freezing. And I looked at her and I said, and I literally said this, that's the dumbest reason I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> And she looked at me cross-eyed like, what are you talking about? I said, if this house is a $900,000 house is so badly insulated that the pipes in the walls are going to freeze, why are we even looking at it? <laughs> and, 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 and for her, she was, so what, her music in her head was, <laughs> yeah, okay, right. lost that commission. These people are not going to buy this house. <laughs> and what I didn't say, but what I wanted to follow up with, I, I suppose you don't put the, the pipes of the walls going up to the kitchen. <laughs> that's so funny that's I, so funny so, so I actually like to have fun and kind of burst their bubbles a little bit little, to show that I'm really a much bigger buyer than they can handle <laughs> 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 so just a little bit of the dark side of Waltese <laughs> well you know our reading today mm -hmm. uh, is called I Can Trust My Guidance From Within ah yes and of course she was not going to trust um, the guidance. That no, we not getting. at all. She didn't like it, but <laughs> not at all. you know we can trust the guidance guidance from within. Um, so, do we want to kind of take a gander at yeah, this? Yeah, let's see how go far for it. Go. Yeah. Okay. So it says many people have set their own intuitive guidance aside, replacing it with the opinions of parents, teachers, experts, or leaders, or real estate agents, in a variety of disciplines. But the more you look to others for for their guidance the more removed you become from your own wise counsel. So often as we begin to remind our physical friends of who we really are, helping them to reconnect with, um, with the guidance system that is within them, they feel hesitation. They often become convinced of their own unworthiness and of their own incorrectness, so they are afraid to move forward trusting that their guidance or their own conscience because they believe that there may be someone else who may be, who may clear. Okay, I botched that up. So hang on. <laughs> That's all right. It's a long sentence. Let me redo this sentence. Okay. So they have become convinced of their own unworthiness and of their own incorrectness. So they are afraid to move forward, trusting their own guidance or their own conscience because they believe that there may be someone else who knows more clearly than they do what is appropriate for them. Bravo. Okay, there's a whole lot more, but I want to just break it up, so let's stop I there don't blame you, because that, that's a run-on sentence anyway, so we got to break that one up. <laughs> I know. Totally, totally. So I would say I totally agree with what they're saying in terms of, like, most people are afraid to trust yes. their own guidance system because, okay, I'm going to put it this way. We haven't always trusted ourselves, period. When we feel insecure, unworthy, etc., and then we're told, "Well, trust your feelings." Well, to us, our feelings are part of all this other stuff that's connected to the unworthy. So, why on earth would we trust our feelings? Everything's connected to who we are. So, part of part of it, I see, is we don't recognize or are willing to acknowledge. At first, when we learn that we can actually trust our feelings, we don't think that our feelings are actually indicators of a spiritual entity that's not the same as us in our physical form. Right. Because we think of our feelings as us in our physical form. In fact, I didn't even realize they were communications at all. There you go. And I totally get this. Um, and it was interesting because as I was reading the paragraph, I think where I stumbled is because a thought went through my head and I was now paying a lot of attention to this thought mm -hmm. and it fits in right here. 
I was dancing around in my head with some thoughts that I, I, I have never considered before. Hmm, okay. The Sunday morning while I'm lying in bed. Mm-hmm. You know, brunch was coming up, and so I was just like, ooh, I don't have to get out of bed yet, but <laughs> when I do, I'll have fun. There you go. So I was thinking about my relationship, me and my inner being. And I was kind of playing with and wanting to understand why sometimes I even struggle with the relationship I have with my inner being, why I don't feel it's as comfy cozy as what I'd like it to be. It doesn't feel like, I mean, I, even though you and I have never met in person, Walt, I feel more personally connected to you on a personal level than my inner being. Now, yes, I get guidance from my inner being and I trust my guidance, but I don't have that warm, fuzzy feeling where there's a personality that I think of with my inner being. And so I thought, why is that? Because if my inner being is the non-physical part of me, it's me. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. am I, I not being comfortable with me? Good question. And I mean, I just really danced around that going, it's me. How come I don't, where, why is there not warm and fuzzies that come with thinking about feeling and communicating with my inner being when it is me? And I'm not quite sure I have a great answer for it yet, but it's definitely the question that I put out on the table. And I, I cannot, I cannot recall anybody in the wholeness of my life on this physical plane ever asking that question. So I don't have question. any references for, well, I've heard Abraham say this, or I've heard other people. I mean, have have you ever thought of that or asked that question? Oh, yeah. I, I've never heard Abraham say anything about it, but I've asked that question in a number of different ways. The way I ask that question to myself is, why can't I have a conversation with my inner being? And the reason I say that is a similar thing, is when I'm having a conversation with you, like we do here on the program, that's how we get to know each other. That's how we feel right. each other out. We learn, you know, we, we can uh, emote to each other. We can sympathize, empathize. We can express what we're feeling and thinking as we're talking and feel like we're talking with another human being. When we're getting signals from Because we, we are real human beings. <laughs> hey, how about that? Look at this. We're two human beings. Who knew? <laughs> but when we're having the conversation with our inner being, it's not the same kind of thing. It's not like I'm saying, well, inner being, what do you think? Well, well I'll tell you, Walt, here's what I'm thinking. It's not like that at all. So where do you get the chance to have the humanity of the conversation? It's missing. No wonder we don't really have that same kind of relationship. Well, and, and I think there's even a, a misnomer that calling it where's the humanity. Well, our non-physical self isn't human. So even calling it humanity, I know isn't quite right. But I know what you're saying because yeah. I'm calling it personality. Yeah. You're calling it humanity. We're wanting to have a more human-like interaction exactly with somebody something entity that is not human and you know if i look at based on things that i've heard esther say or how abraham talks about the relationship with esther and abraham i get the impression that you know first of all they've been connected since 1985 okay so they got a lot of history in the beginning it was very stilted and awkward but you know, they now have lots and lots of history. And I know that even with Jerry gone, because there used to be a time that Jerry would say, hey, can we talk to Abraham? I want to ask some questions. And Esther would say, okay. Right. And then she would kind of like leave her own beingness and she would bring in Abraham. But now that Jerry's gone, she just has conversations with Abraham quite liberally. And I don't know what she has to do or if there is anything anymore. It might just be a seamless thing. Um but I kind of get the impression that there's more personality-like um, energy between them. Like, I feel like they've known each other for so long that I don't know if Esther would ask the question that you and I are asking right now. Maybe not. I don't like, know. I mean, I don't know for certain. That's not something I've ever heard her talk about. I've never really even heard Abraham talk about that. Um, although if they have, I guarantee you the next CD I listen to, it's going to be there because that's what law of attraction does. My brain is now going, Hey, this is what I want to know. <laughs> um, but I, you know, it's like, cause what we just read is that people 
distrust their feelings. They distrust that they have an inner being that they can reach out to and get guidance. I understand that distrust and I get a lot of guidance and I still understand the distrust because I'm still looking for a deeper level. Oh yeah, me too. I think it's one of the reasons that I've had so much trouble believing, first of all, that there were any messages, and then second of all, detecting them, and then third of all, like you say, trusting them. Trust is like the third step on the trail. I, I sometimes get stuck on the first two. You want me to get to the third one, too? <laughs> you're, you're asking an awful lot there, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> well, okay, so now I'm going to throw out another something. Again, this is just more – I ask lots of questions. You know, that that to me is kind of the foundation of the essence of me is I'm a question asker. Mm-hmm. And for many, many, many years, I used to use the phrase wishful thinking. And I would distinguish between something I w- wanted where I'd say, oh, I really believe this is possible versus, okay, am I believing it's possible because I'm really just into wishful thinking? Or do I really, truly have a belief in this something where I really trust this is this is happening. And I'm kind of a wishful thinking detector these days. And I know for a long time, I used to just want stuff. And if I talked about, oh, yeah, I'm sure this is I, I'm sure this is happening. And, you know, I've wanted it for a long time. I can tell it's happening. Now, back in these days, I would was a Christian. And so I'd say I've prayed about this. And I truly believe that this is within God's will for me. Um, And then it didn't come about. And then I would kind of go back and dissect, well, how come it didn't happen? And we're talking about something that like it had a timeline. Like if I wanted to go on a school trip, well, the trip came and went and I didn't travel with them. So it's not like it was. Now I'm dissecting what, what went down. Right. And I start to go, you know, I think it was really just wishful thinking. I didn't have the practical things required. I had no idea where the money was going to come from. It was a huge sum of money. My parents didn't have the money. I didn't know anybody I could ask for the money. And so I would just kind of throw it out there. Well, I prayed about it. And if, if it, and here's the caveat. If it's God's will, then the money will show up. Uh. And so I stayed in what I called a, like a, a state of faith, believing in the possibility that God could come through for me. Um, but, and I'm, I'm not saying one way or another, God does or doesn't come through, but understanding things from law of attraction perspective, I realize now that I had a ton of resistance. I had so much disbelief actually going on simultaneously. And the faith I did have wasn't really faith in God. It was really wishful thinking. Got it. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not quite sure I would even know how to, at this moment, define wishful thinking. But, except, well, I guess except to say it was something I wanted without knowing what the principles were of how to get it. Or even... Well, it also sounds like... like I, wasn't it, even, it, I wasn't even asking God the right questions, but maybe you don't have to do... I don't know. I, I don't want to mess this up too bad. But I would just pray... But I'd always throw in there, because this is what I learned, if it be your will, this is what I want, and it'll show up. Mm -hmm. And most people in my Christian environment would tell me, well, it must not have been God's will for you to go, because if it was, the money would have showed up. And my response would be that it it wasn't so much God's will, although in a sense it was. More more accurately, it was your will, because by framing it that way, you were expressing doubt. Good, good point. You're right. And so I wasn't really in faith, although I used the words that I was believing and that I had faith for this. Mm-hmm. Those were just, it, it was like they were just words, but they were hollow words. Yeah. And I noticed a lot of times that wishful thinking, which was the hollow words, even the hollow prayer, um, came into play for me a lot. Mm-hmm. And I recognize, oh my gosh, I was such an incredible wish for, wishful thinker. And I recognized how that actually created more disappointment in my life when I hoped for something and then it didn't happen because it either 
because I was saying it was God's will for it not to happen. Well, then that made me feel unworthy. Why didn't God love me enough to give me this thing that I wanted so bad? Right, yeah. You know, and that whole concept for me just created a whole bunch of mixed signals Mm -hmm. that kept me in a loop of feeling unworthy and like I must need to do something more in order to merit God's uh, mercy upon me that he'll grant me my wishes or or answer my prayers. I think this is is really... This is really a significant thing, I think, that we're talking about here. I see it a lot in what others say, particularly when I'm looking in the Facebook group that we uh, pay attention to, and I hear it in myself at times, too. There are a number of ways that we as human beings express doubt while trying to pretend that we're not really expressing doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I like I liked how you said that. You know, we're trying to like kind of cover it up. Like, yeah, well, I know it's there, but I'm not going to pay attention to it, <laughs> even though I'm paying attention to it. Yes, okay, I'm paying and attention that, to it, but I'm not really paying attention to it. <laughs> and you know what? The law of attraction is the mechanism that's like the lie detector. That's right. Yes, <laughs> it can determine whether you had doubt or didn't have doubt. Because if it showed up, then you were in the doubt-free land. Mm-hmm. You know, but yep. if you were trying to cover up with the right words and it didn't manifest, well, then guess what? The cover up was now up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the jig is up. The jig is up. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's right. We only have a few minutes left, and I wanted to touch on something. I had forgotten about this, but BJ, who called in to the Tuesday Night Show a few weeks back, raised a question mm-hmm. that he wanted me to raise with Louise. And I, I actually did mention it to her, and BJ, her, her response was basically, I, I can't go there because that would be a proper thing for me to do because she's a psychotherapist. But I think I can ask you and, and see what your take is on it. Essentially, he was asking about the way Esther receives messages from Abraham. And he said, from his point of view, she's being possessed, and that bothers him. And I wondered, what do you think about that? Do you think Esther's being possessed by Abraham, and is that a good or a bad thing? I definitely don't think it's possessed, and I'm going by the definition of uh, possession from my Christian years, Mm -hmm. which possession, according to my understanding, was where um, an entity that's non-physical literally takes over your whole body, and you no longer have any control of your mind, your limbs, or anything. And nothing that I have heard in anything that Abraham or Esther have ever described about their experience together would indicate possession is a part of that. Mm. Um, I, I, my understanding is that Esther is at, in complete choice at all times. And when she walks into a workshop, she's, she as Esther is saying hello to the audience. And then she says, now I'm going to go get Abraham. And she closes her eyes and she does whatever internal process she does in order to shift her vibration so that she can receive Abraham. And when she receives um, insight, she uses her words, her tongue, her body to deliver that. But she's in control at all time. And at any moment, let's just say a fire alarm went off. She's aware enough that she could go, okay, Abraham, I got to go take care of business. And she would like be fully Esther again and no longer in the receiving and the download kind of thing. One of so the things I definitely wouldn't. One of the things that what, BJ pointed out was, as you said, when, when she goes into her little thing there, she says goodbye. And that to mm-hmm. him is a way of saying, I now re- um, release myself to Abraham. So Abraham has total control of me. That's what that goodbye nope. means. Yeah, I, I don't even agree with that. Abraham does not have total control over her ever. Okay. She has total control at all times. And when she says bye bye, she's saying, I'm now shifting my energy so that I'm going into a higher vibration so I can now receive Abraham. All right. Well, we have total control over everything except time, which has just run out. So we'll have to save <laughs> this for tomorrow. But Wendy's been great. Let's do it again. You got it. And we hope that you would uh, come back as well next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye now.